from ARUP Laboratories on the campus of the University of Utah. Welcome to the LabMind Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Jackson. Today is Tuesday, November 7th. Our guest on LabMind today is Nancy Ross from Montefiore Hospital in New York City. Nancy is a clinical laboratory scientist with over 20 years experience across a number of settings, ranging from the Navy to an accreditation agency to several large academic medical centers. She's currently Assistant Director of Clinical Pathology and Quality at the Montefiore Medical System, as well as the founder of Improve, a laboratory consulting company. Nancy Ross, welcome to LabMind. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So one thing that is distinctive about you is your background. You've worked for a really wide range of extremely different organizations. You started your career in the Navy. You later worked for COLA, the accreditation agency, biotech company, at least two different large academic labs, and you also have your consulting company as well. What has working across this wide range of different types of organizations taught you about quality that you might not have learned if you'd only been at one of them your whole career? I think what I've learned from working in different lab environments is how quality and performance improvement are really at the core of leading a laboratory towards excellence. For me, it all started in the Navy as a sailor, was assigned right out of school to a Navy clinic that was extremely busy. And there was a brand new lieutenant who had been assigned as the lab director and given a mandate to make sure that this laboratory became CAP certified. So we had to do everything we could to shape this laboratory up to pass its first CAP inspection. I was recruited in that effort. I was the lieutenant's assistant to make sure that all the quality standards were met. I think that made an impression on me, especially right out of school, in terms of what quality means and all the components that need to be in place for a well-run laboratory. How did your inspection go? The inspection went well. We actually passed with flying colors. It took a lot of work and a lot of effort. It was a really successful experience. And I think what some people might not know is laboratories in the military, they can operate under a DOD or Department of Defense qualification. So you don't have to be accredited. So this laboratory had been in operation for years and yet it had never had an inspection from an accreditation agency. So it took a lot of work, but you know, we did pass the inspection. So just out of curiosity, what was the motivation for this? I think it was both from the lieutenant and then also this laboratory was really key for this clinic. You know, this clinic was located off the coast of Virginia and it served all the ships off the port. So it was a really busy clinic, a lot of emergencies, a lot of physicals, et cetera. So the laboratory was really key in making sure that this clinic was operational and efficient. It's great to hear that healthcare leaders appreciate the role of laboratory quality in that larger picture. It's not just about the laboratory. It's really about the clinical operations and everything going well on the clinical side. Going back to your question, you know, moving on from that first experience and as luck would have it, I found myself as I grew in my career, always either in a turnaround type of situation for a laboratory or dealing with some quality issues we had to improve. I've also been a part of organizations who had best practices implemented in terms of quality. A lot of training for supervisors and managers in terms of process improvement tools, Kaizen events, process mapping, et cetera. And so I think that has provided me with a really wide perspective about quality. And I understand 
the impact when laboratories have good quality systems in place and when they don't. Can you think of any epiphany moments, maybe early in your career when you experienced something that really set off a light bulb for, yeah, this is what quality means, or this is why quality culture is critical to a lab? When it comes to the epiphany, it's one lesson that I learned the hard way. As a brand new manager, I was at a lab where there had been gaps in leadership and management prior to me arriving there. And one of the first things I do when I get familiar with a lab is look at the previous inspection report. For this particular lab, there were many citations that due to the gap in management had not been corrected. The upcoming inspection was less than a year away and I became concerned not only about the citations that had not been corrected, but what else had been going on, you know, in the last couple of years that I was not aware of. And so I became very focused on making sure that we would not only pass the upcoming inspection, but do so with flying colors. I was on a mission to identify broken processes, make changes, and ensure that we checked all the boxes on the regulatory checklist. And just for context, a lot of the staff in this laboratory had been there for many years. They knew each other. They knew each other's kids. Some people had been there almost 20 years. And so you can only imagine it was very disruptive when I came in with this plan and this mission. If we fast forward to the end, we did pass our inspection, but also engagement was really important for this organization. And right around that time, there was an employee survey. So my staff utilized that survey to actually express how low morale had been in the lab over the last year. And they called me out by name. That's the reason why. And so... You know, I had failed to see that while I was trying to ensure that we passed this inspection, the whole process had created a stressful environment for everyone. They didn't quite understand my approach, urgency, and they were certainly not very engaged in that process. I was floored. I really cared about them. I was really passionate about lab quality and regulatory compliance. So I wanted to make sure that the laboratory was going to do really well. And it took me some time to understand that feedback. But honestly, I have to thank them because I know that I'm a better leader today because of that feedback. It really made me look at different aspects of quality, not just the checklist mentality of making sure we pass an inspection. It made me look at quality improvement, buy-in, change management, team morale. So that was my big epiphany. Yeah, I love that story. And I love the way you tie it to workforce engagement which I don't know that everyone in the laboratory world would automatically associate those two things, quality and engagement. As you've worked with different organizations, how common is it in your experience for organizations to take workforce engagement measurement really seriously? I'd like to think I've been fortunate to work for organizations that have done that. In this prior example I shared, this organization was really focused on making sure that they listened to the staff was one of those places where leadership made rounds. We had quality boards where you had members of the senior leadership come around and really check in with the staff and see how the department was doing. So I have seen really good benefit when leadership really pays attention to how engaged the staff is. I know not all the organizations probably do it, but those that do, I think they can see real benefits. And it's probably also important to point out, it's not just about administering a survey every once in a while. It's taking the feedback seriously. 
Absolutely. And I think once people take the time to give you critical feedback, the worst thing you can do is not do anything about it. If we're going to take the time to really pay attention to those things that people are saying are creating a problem or might be an obstacle or a barrier in their day to day, then let's be proactive about it. Let's be responsive to the needs. So we've been talking about inspections. That's one central aspect of quality assurance. And you've been in a number of laboratories going through inspections, preparing for inspections. You've also been on the side of being an inspector. One theoretical concern when I think about inspections is that some laboratories treat passing the inspection as the main goal of their quality efforts rather than treating quality as the main goal. How do you think about the role of inspections within the larger picture and how to keep them from being the entire picture? I think it's a great question. I think regulatory compliance is only one side of laboratory quality. It's a very important one. Regulations are there for a reason and we must abide by them. It ensures that we keep the lab open and operational because our license is tied to it. But in addition to that, it ensures a minimum level of quality when it comes to laboratory results and overall lab operations. It's really just one side of quality. I think the other side is process improvement and leading laboratories with a continuous quality mindset. What are we doing day to day to make sure that we're identifying broken processes or inefficiencies or waste? That's a big part of quality that sometimes doesn't get the attention that it deserves. It's not just passing inspection every couple of years. It's how are we functioning day to day? And are we leading laboratories with a continuous quality mindset? Do we know laboratories that have a clean inspection bill and yet they might produce inaccurate results? The worst case scenario, they might produce results that could potentially harm patients. I think it's a really scary thought, but I think the answer to that question is yes. For that reason, regulatory compliance is just one component of all the pieces that need to be in place for a good quality system. One quick story to illustrate that is as we know, laboratories can experience issues with supply management. Most laboratories have a central supply where scientists obtain their reagents and testing related supplies. Some laboratories have dedicated supply personnel in charge of inventory. And depending on whether you're a small or a medium-sized laboratory, those areas might be managed by scientists and not in a full-time capacity. So many issues can arise that could potentially impact in a negative way lab operations. You could have expired reagents on the shelves. You could run out of important supplies. And the reason why I like this example is while we have regulations that target the proper storage and handling of laboratory supplies, this is mostly an operational issue. Again, a laboratory can pass a lab inspection and yet be very inefficient in terms of supply management and the subsequent impact of that on results. So learning about processes such as 5S, it's really helpful and really important. For those who may not be familiar, 5S is the lean thinking methodology to reduce waste and optimize productivity. Offering a systematic approach to clean up and organize your areas and make sure that you have consistency when it comes to supply management. And so tools such as 5S, they fall more on the process improvement and performance improvement side of things. 
not necessarily on the regulatory aspect. When I think of quality, I just think about it as two arms. So there's the regulatory compliance, and then there's also the process and performance improvement side of things. You know, another thing that I really love about Lean and 5S, it seems to marry the efficiency side with the quality side. I remember many, many years ago at AirUP, when I was quite new, one of the senior quality managers loaned me a book on the Toyota production system. And at the time I was thinking, well, this is great, but this is just all about efficiency and cost savings. By the time I got through the book, I realized how the two things went hand in hand. Have you seen how quality improvement also reduces costs? Absolutely. And it's interesting you mentioned the Toyota production system because I became aware of process improvement and different quality techniques, learning about the Toyota production system. One of the organizations I worked for in the past was really focused on improving operations, not only for the lab, but this was an organizational effort. And so they had different experts come and there was training that was required, not only of the supervisors and the managers, but also the frontline staff. These are the stories they shared. They talked about the success of the Toyota production system in different industries. And when that was applied to healthcare, some of the benefits that we saw there. And I was fascinated by the different tools that they talked about, process mapping, mistake proofing. And I began to see how a lot of those concepts really applied to what we do in the laboratory. When we spoke earlier, another thing that you said was something to the effect that you think managers should be spending 70% of their time on quality. This really struck me because being a manager in a laboratory is a busy job. Their days are quite full of activities. So what does it mean in day-to-day -day practice to be spending two-thirds of your time on quality? Yes. And, you know, I wish I could take credit for that. I think it actually was an article I came across from the Harvard Business Review. So this was an article that wasn't specific to laboratories. It was management in general. Right. Okay. Correct. But, you know, it made a lot of sense to me and it made me think of the benefits of such an approach in the laboratory. Focusing more on the performance improvement aspect, most of your time should really be devoted to that. And one example that comes to mind is maybe you're leading a busy department and experiencing constant instrumentation issues. Imagine the stress that can produce, the inefficiencies associated with it, staff burnout, the impact to patients, the impact to the organization, et cetera. And if we look at that from the performance improvement side of things, are we looking at perhaps the number of tickets or service calls that have been generated over the last six months? Are we looking at life expectancy for these instruments? Are we making sure that the instruments are performing according to the uptime guarantee that the vendors should be held to? Or perhaps do you have a group of really inexperienced scientists and maybe this is more of a training issue that you have. So I think this is where a manager should really spend most of the time is really forecasting, anticipating, and really looking at patterns and identifying issues at the core. Do you think that what you just said applies to frontline supervisors as well? Absolutely. I think it applies to anyone that has a leadership role within the lab. If you have direct reports or you have a department you oversee, this is the level of mindset that I expect of my supervisors and my managers. Are we just keeping the wheels turning or are we really looking at patterns? Are we identifying what is the real issue here? Are we implementing what I call band-aids? 
or solutions that don't really work long-term? Or are we doing a deep dive and really implementing solutions that make sense? The reason I asked my question is, in my observation, being a frontline supervisor, it seems to me to be the hardest job in the laboratory. For one thing, you've got folks for whom this is their first managerial role, but there's so much to do just keeping the wheels on. I've definitely seen some supervisors who I thought were really strong, really capable, incredibly organized, great communication skills, just looked like they had the whole package. But in some cases, I've seen these folks be so all consumed with keeping the wheels on that either they burn out or the problems that they inherit from their predecessor, like you say, just get band-aided. So when you promote a new supervisor, and this is their first time in the role, what are the main messages that you give them in terms of your expectations for them? Yes, I do believe that supervisors have a really difficult position. They're responsible for a lot. And, you know, in terms of expectations, just speaking candidly, it's more about building a relationship with them. It's about providing guidance and the coaching that they need. One of the things I do is set up one-on-ones with them almost every other day at the beginning. And then that frequency kind of lessens as we go. But I want to make sure that they feel comfortable. I want to make sure that we keep in touch on the things that might be challenging to them in their new role. One of the things I think about often is that whether you're a supervisor or a manager who gets promoted, some of the technical expertise that we had on the bench might not really be helpful to deal with some of the challenges that we're going to encounter in this new role, whether that is having difficult conversations with the staff, handling disciplinary actions. It might be complaints from physicians, demands from the hospital if your laboratory is embedded in a hospital. So a lot of what I do is coaching around some of the soft skills and management skills that they will need in order to be successful. So within that coaching, it sounds like you're encouraging them to spend a significant portion of their energy and their mental effort thinking about improvement, which would be very different than if you were in more of a punitive managerial role of keep these wheels running or else, which really doesn't give as much time to think about the quality improvement. I would argue, you know, that approach is not really effective going on and what are we doing to improve it and make sure that this doesn't happen again. Those are some of the questions I'm always asking my staff. What is the true issue? Do we have a training issue? Do we have a communication issue? Is it a resource issue? Is the workflow efficient? Do we have to streamline anything? Or maybe we have to train people again, whatever it may be. The first thing is we have to make sure we truly understand what the problem is can't really implement solutions that work if you don't really know what the issue is. So a few minutes ago, you were talking about the impact of morale and engagement on quality. Does quality also impact morale and engagement? If you've got a really good quality culture and people are really engaged in the quality side, does that make them more engaged in their jobs in general? So I think this is a really interesting question. And when I think about quality and engagement, I sort of think they have a direct relationship. I like to think about it as my Chick-fil-A philosophy. So those of us who are familiar with Chick-fil-A is a fast food restaurant, but they have a unique culture from the moment their employees are hired. They go through extensive training on customer service and making sure that your orders are correct when you're going through the drive-through. 
They read back what you order to make sure they got it correctly. They address you by name. They treat you with courtesy. And so even though obviously Chick-fil-A and the laboratory, two different industries, it does make me think about the lab, right? So an engaged staff in the laboratory will produce higher quality results. There's better communication. People are happier in the workplace. They are more productive. When there are issues that are impacting the work, people tend to like to work in teams and address those issues. So bringing up Chick-fil-A is interesting. A big part of what you're talking about is customer service. And I'm not sure that customer service always comes to top of mind when people are thinking about quality in the laboratory. I will say in my own career, I've been very close to the customer service groups at ARUP. And so I feel like I've gained some appreciation for how they really are integral to the overall quality of the lab. But I'm not sure everyone thinks about it that way. So how do you think about customer service and how that ties into this larger picture of laboratory quality? So the ASQ definition of quality talks about satisfying stated or implied needs for the customer. And I think it's very important for us in the laboratory to be reminded that we are one link in the healthcare value chain. So we're one of the service lines, one of the departments, and we're all interconnected with the same goal to serve patients. We're not an island. And it's easy to lose sense of this because we are so immersed in our world and there's so much that we handle. Customer service should have an internal and an external focus. And I know I'm not saying anything new, but I do think customer service is more important today than ever before. It's part of the culture these days to not only obtain service, but also worry about the experience of the customer while obtaining that service. And we have to understand that the internal customer service that is experienced within the team does impact the results and the delivery of what we do in the laboratory. So much of the laboratory is pre-analytic and or post-analytic. And I don't know how a laboratory could possibly improve those areas if you don't have really, really good communication with their clinical stakeholders. So when it comes to the pre-analytic area of the laboratory, it could be that the laboratory has a big outreach business. And so, you know, you're constantly interacting with either clinics or locations outside of the laboratory where we might be collecting specimens and bringing that work to the lab to be performed. And so, again, customer service plays a big part in there as well. How do we interact with the customers? And when issues arise, how do we handle that? You know, are we courteous? Are we being professional? Are we being tactful? As I mentioned before, it's not only providing a service, it's the experience of the customer while obtaining that service that's important. Talking about quality, I have to ask you about metrics. I'm sort of a data guy and just to be honest, I've got a lot of pet peeves about how a lot of quality metrics are set up and managed. And I'm curious, do you have any pet peeves about quality metrics that you've seen over the years? From my perspective, the biggest opportunity around metrics is to not be so rigid in terms of what is selected as an indicator and include metrics that make sense operationally, not just for regulatory compliance. Metrics offer an opportunity to measure the health of your department with a focus on the outcome. Are we meeting the targets we set for ourselves? Are we being efficient? 
the definition of quality is accuracy, reliability, and timeliness of test results. How are we performing when it comes to those standards? In addition, there are quality indicators recommended by regulatory agencies, but we have the opportunity to track other things that make sense from an operational perspective. Perhaps you want to track instrument downtime on a monthly basis and see how that correlates to turnaround time or physician complaints. The other thought I have around metrics is either increasing the threshold if, for example, certain metrics are always being met and there's no change. What is the point of tracking an indicator if your metric says you need to achieve a 90% in turnaround time for a specific test? but you're always achieving 95, 96%. In those situations, either the metric has to change or we can think of other indicators we can add that can be a little bit more beneficial to really make sure you're measuring the health of your processes. So I've seen some situations where managers take their metrics really seriously, which is a good thing, but where there's so much pressure to hit your metrics and to get all A's basically, that I've seen managers end up negotiating with their bosses to try to soften up some of the metrics to make them easier to hit. So do you have any thoughts on that kind of thing? Sure. So the first thing that comes to mind is that metrics are really outlined in the quality plan. And usually, so this quality plan is written by the laboratory director. So whatever the metrics or the standards that the laboratory director wants is what managers should really adhere to. In terms of feeling pressure to meet certain metrics, I don't know that managers should feel that. The processes are never perfect. We have many things that happen from day to day, whether that's being short staff, instrument downtime, maybe changes in the volume of the testing that comes in and out. Instead of focusing on wanting the metrics to be perfect, just look at them as a true reflection of what's going on in your lab. And then the thinking should be, if we are identifying patterns within that, what can we do to improve the health of our processes? Or let's say if you're not meeting your turnaround time consistently for a specific department, what are the factors that are contributing to that? Metrics are there to really inform us of what's going on and then prompt some kind of action towards improving a process. So this strikes me as a really important point. You're talking about not just measurement as an evaluation, but measurement as a learning tool. I just have to share my biggest pet peeve is the use of percentages and thresholds in cases where the raw number would be more informative. So like with the turnaround time, I'd rather see labs measure them in minutes rather than a percentage of hitting some arbitrary target if only because it gives you more information about what your actual performance is. Yeah, this is true. And I think we have to really decide what metrics you want to include and what is going to be your unit that you're going to measure. I experienced that with one of our departments just recently where there was a hematology quality indicator. The percentage was constantly off. And when we looked at the number of tests that were being counted, the denominator was really low. So, you know, I think you really have to decide, and this is when the quality plan is written, what is the quality indicator you want to target and what is the metric that makes sense for that quality indicator? So that should all go into the design of the quality plan. So final question, 
I feel like we've been talking within a laboratory perspective, but what if a non-laboratorian happens to be listening to this episode? So maybe a hospital administrator, maybe a nurse, physician, some stakeholder of the lab. What message would you hope that they would take home from this conversation? So I would think that the takeaway message here is the importance of quality when it comes to laboratory results and patient care. Laboratories are a key player in making sure that patients are taken care of, regardless of the setting that you're in. And a big part of that is the culture that's created within the laboratory. Are people engaged? Are we looking to just satisfy regulatory compliance versus really looking at our processes, engaging our people, and having a continuous quality mindset every day to make sure that we're identifying inefficiencies and broken processes, all with a desire to eradicate sources of error. And ultimately, that benefits not only the staff, but most importantly, the patients. All right, Nancy Ross, thank you so much for being on LabMind today. Thank you so much for having me. LabMind is sponsored by ARUP Laboratories, a not-for-profit enterprise of the University of Utah and its Department of Pathology. Our producer is Cherie Peterson with audio engineering by Matteo Del Monte. You can also find other LabMind episodes at arup.utah.edu, along with an extensive video lecture library.